My name is Cameron Mitchell, CEO of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants and author of Yes is the Answer, What is the Question? You're listening to My Quest for the Best with Bill Ringel. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringel here, host of My Quest for the Best, where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock your growth potential. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished guests who want to share their knowledge and experiences so you can be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating towards more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Cameron Mitchell. Cameron started as an entry-level dishwasher at a restaurant in Columbus, Ohio at 16 years old and has since developed 18 different restaurant concepts, including Mitchell's Fish Market and Mitchell's Steakhouse, a total of 22 restaurants that were sold to Ruth's Hospitality Group for $92 million in 2008. He's here today to talk about his book, Yes is the Answer, What is the Question?, which explores his philosophy and approach to building a workplace culture that has proven successful over and over. Cameron is still based in Columbus, Ohio, and has come to share his perspectives with us. Welcome, Cameron. Well, thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. It's great to have you. So, Cameron, tell me, when you were growing up, who's someone who influenced or inspired you? Oh, probably uh, Dave Thomas from Wendy's, founder of Wendy's. And did you meet him, or was it just his, him as a public figure? Uh, well, I got to meet him uh, earlier in my career, and towards the end of his life and uh, further into my career, we became friends and uh, met on several occasions. And what about Dave stays with you as a lesson that you learned or a philosophy, um, some aspect of, of that relationship? What is it that's, that um, comes to mind? Well, it really came from my mom. My mom has not given me much business experience, advice over the year, but she had heard Dave talk at one point and, uh, and preached about how he surrounded himself with great people. And that was her uh, message to me, always surround myself with great people. And I've taken that to heart. And that's how I've uh, uh, built my business and, and the career, my career over the years. And uh, Dave uh, uh, looks at that as one of the hallmarks of his success, too. It's amazing how the impact of people sharing parts of their life can have a ripple effect that leads to such outstanding results. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. I tell people all the time, you can have mentors in your life that you didn't even meet, uh, that you can follow and learn from and grow from. You know, I so agree with that. I started doing biographies in grade school. I remember thinking how great it would be to meet people like Thomas Edison and Walt Disney and Nikolai Tesla. And all of these people were people who inspired me, even though I had no chance of meeting them. Right, right, exactly. Cameron, you, the title of your book is Yes is the Answer, What's the Question? That's kind of an enigma if that's all that people see or read. Can you explain that and break it down, what that means and why it's, it's such an important cornerstone of your philosophy? It's an attitude, and it's how we approach our business, and it's how we approach our leadership and everything else we do. It doesn't mean you can bring a gun to work, and the answer is no. It doesn't mean you can sexually harass your workmate, the answer is no. Uh, but yes is the answer. What's the question is an attitude. If there's a way we can do it, we will. And it, yes requires action. No requires no action. Uh, for example, on this podcast today, if uh, 
you asked me to be on it, and I said no, it would require no action from me. You know, uh, however, I say yes, it requires my time and my preparation and and so forth. So it's it's uh, yes requires action, and, and it's an attitude we instill in all our people across uh, the Cameron Mitchell restaurant spectrum. It sounds like it's a very proactive orientation, and it's clear that you teach people to make mm -hmm. sensible decisions about what you can say yes to and what you have to say no to, you know, that makes common sense. Mm -hmm. How does someone, how, if you compare two brothers, say, who one starts work at Cameron Mitchell restaurants, another starts work at another fine restaurant, mm -hmm. but doesn't have the advantage of this philosophy and of this indoctrination, what's going to be mm -hmm. different about the way that, let's say, brother A treats customers? Well, I think, uh, you know, if, if it works right, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, Brother A has had this uh, ingrained in them all throughout their uh, career with Kilimanjaro restaurants and it becomes second nature to them uh, to say yes. Uh, every time they find a no rolling off their tongue, they stop and, and change their approach. So I think uh, that's the biggest difference and impact it would have. And how do you train that? I'm sure people are saying, you know, I'd like people to be more positive. I'd like people to be more proactive in helping their customers. I'd like them to think about the impact of their decisions on how, you know, people feel about and refer the experience that they have in our restaurant. How do you train that so that people who don't have that experience naturally it become part of the culture? What's that transition like? Mm-hmm. Well, it starts with day one with orientation. We have a four-hour orientation uh, into our culture uh, with every new associate that starts with the company. And uh, um, we it's how we treat our people internally. You know, so it's uh, we treat our people great. The number one question I get, uh, uh, and I've had it thousands of times, is where do you get such great people and how do you deliver such great service uh, day in and day out? And I said my answer is simple. It's uh, we treat people great. And, and when people know how much we care about them and, and, and how important they are to us and that they have a voice in the operation and are important to the company, then they uh, believe in the company itself and, and want to take care of our guests and, and, and take care of our company. So uh, yes is the answer. What's the question comes out of that. And we, uh, we have what we call a chocolate milkshake here in our company that uh, has uh, become the icon of Great people delivering genuine hospitality in our company. Oh, and yes, well, we need to now tell me, break down for me the, the story of the chocolate milkshake and what it represents, please. <laughs> when I uh, started the company in my one-bedroom apartment, and I, the first thing I did is I read our company culture and values. And there's five pillars to our culture and eight core values and one final statement, and that is yes is the answer. What's the question? Well, about uh, nine years or so into the uh, history of the company, I was at a local restaurant with uh, my wife and my two young boys at the time, four and two years old, and I wanted to get a grilled cheese for my son, and uh, the server wouldn't do it. We don't have grilled cheese on the menu, so I ordered a club sandwich, hold the turkey, ham, uh, lettuce, tomato, bacon, mayo, middle slice of bread, and I said, if you can saute what's left on each side for me in a pan, that'd be fabulous. And so I got my grilled cheese, and then I wanted a chocolate milkshake, and she said, oh, we can't do that either. We All we have is a Haagen-Dazs, 32-ounce, it's like a quart of soft-serve Haagen-Dazs ice cream, and it's just huge, and, and we really can't do a small chocolate shake for your son. And I asked her to ask the manager, and manager shakes her head, no, I see from afar, and server comes back, and I said, she says, I'm sorry, we can't do it. I said, we have your manager come over to see me at the table, and so manager comes over and she says, I'm sorry, we pre-portioned the ice cream. And if we gave your son a little less of 
ice cream, what well, we, we wouldn't be able to, uh, to use the rest. And I, I knew that was, you know, not true. And uh, no one's back there pre-portioning, cutting up the ice cream and, and so forth. So I said, okay, can I get a chocolate milk? And so she's now, she says, uh, big smile, I'd be happy to get you a chocolate milk, no problem. She starts to walk away. I said, hold on a second. On the menu was a, uh, a warm brownie dessert and a warm carrot cake, and it said a la mode 295. I said, what does a la mode mean? She goes, that's a scoop of ice cream. I said, great, can I have an order of a la mode to go with my chocolate milk, and if you could whip that up in a blender for me, that'd be great. And she chastised me there at the table and said, uh, okay, sir, but that'll be expensive. And I got my chocolate milkshake for my son, and my, my wife was fuming, you know, uh, told you we shouldn't have come here. We're never coming here again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's a perfect example of how easy the answer yes would have been and to, to take care of this guest request very simply uh, right away. So uh, a few weeks later, I was at a keynote speaker here for 500 people in Columbus at a lunch, business lunch, and I was talking about how yes is the answer at Cameron Mental Restaurants and, so, uh, and relating this story. And then about two weeks after that, a gal comes up to me on the street and Said my husband saw you speak and loved your presentation, and he uh, went in to want to test you out of your milkshake theory. And answers yes, and he went to one of your restaurants in the bar and tried to order a chocolate milkshake, and they said no, we don't make chocolate milkshakes here. And so uh, I uh, was, you know, flabbergasted by that. I went uh, marching into our Monday morning uh, senior leadership meeting and and said, you know, that this uh, this is not permeating our culture the way we want it to be. Uh, what do our people need to understand about yes is the answer, what's the question? So we decided to make the chocolate milkshake uh, the icon of hospitality in our company, and and we came up with multiple ideas. We you know we have milkshake pins now for service anniversary. We do milkshake toast to associates going above and beyond the call of duty, and now we start every single meeting, major meeting, with a milk chocolate milkshake toast, and every single associate that starts uh, with Cameron Mitchell Restaurants at their first day of orientation gets a chocolate milkshake made for them and uh it uh it's it's all over our walls and it's on the it's in my book and it's uh, driven that message home throughout the organization day in and day out i think out that's today. something that everyone listening to can really understand it's not about the chocolate milkshake even though you've made it into a, a pervasive icon and metaphor in your company for doing it it's really about the willingness and the attitude to be adaptable flexible and customer service oriented thank you so much for sharing that carol what i want to know is what would happen if the waitress or the manager of that restaurant who were very reluctant to help you even though you were guiding them as to how easy it would be to help them how would they be screened out because maybe they had a bad attitude or maybe they would just be unwilling to adapt what do you do in in your hiring process to attract people who will become great people within the culture because not everyone can do that can they well i, I disagree i think they can we um we hire the same people everybody else hires uh, we don't have any magic uh, solutions or anything else like that we uh, simply treat our people great, and we have you know a great company culture and values by which our people live in. And and our company, um, uh, people come in and work for our company. It's kind of a company where 
people off board very quickly within the first 90 days or they're with us for many, many years. And um, you cannot survive in our organization uh, unless you really believe in our culture and philosophy. And that values. makes a lot of it's sense that not everyone stays because the filter takes place within the first 90 days, whether they could perform this, whether they're being mentored and whether their mentor thinks that they're living up to the standards that you've set. We obviously try to hire, you know, great people. We, you know, obviously go through all the processes everybody else does, but sometimes in the hiring process, uh, you miss that or someone doesn't perform well or, or up to expectations. But we also operate from a position of trust that we believe in people. And, uh, and it's part of the subtitle of my book, how faith in people has built modern American restaurant companies. So we believe in people are going to do a great job and we'll do a great job until they prove us otherwise. And so, um, it, it's, uh, it's amazing the transformation that goes on with people in an organization. I've had hundreds of letters received by associates after they've left and moved on to other endeavors in their life and, and say how important the culture was to them and how they've taken that culture and those values, uh, with them. And you and I both know as well as many people listening, how important it is to have an environment of trust, a culture that lets people bring their whole selves to work and really engage with their customers, with the, um, the challenges that are before them. And many companies want to have that culture of trust, but they miss the mark. They say they trust, but then they penalize people for taking a longer lunch or, or things like that. What are some of the do's and don'ts that you train your managers to follow to make sure it's truly a culture of trust that's authentic rather than just lip service? You know, one of the things is we, we have a culture of hard work in our, our company here. It's not written anywhere. It's just, it's, it's not really trained anywhere. It's just people want to work hard for this company and they want to, uh, uh, they take ownership in the organization. And there's a lot of reasons why, but, you know, simple things like we're closed uh, eight major or seven major holidays a year plus Super Bowl Sunday. And it starts with, I don't want to work on those holidays. And so why would I ask anybody else to want to work on those holidays? So we treat people like that. And, uh, you know, people want to need uh, time off for, you know, to study or for exams or parents are coming in town for the weekend or something. We take care of them. We have a belief in our company that uh, if things aren't good outside of work, they can't be good at work and vice versa. And so we we take an active role in our people's lives and, and, and supporting their life outside of work. Uh, so Karen, they want to support your us. Restaurants inside. are celebrating their 25th anniversary. Is that right? And many That's companies correct, yes. would love to be able to look and see that their concept, their startup, it not only um, endures 25 years, but thrives to a level that just approximates what success you've achieved and accomplished. What would you say is one of the, the key aspects of the culture you've created or of your vision that's helped your restaurants grow and thrive over 25 years? Well, uh, if you would indulge me, Bill, I'd rather, I'd like to take you through the, just the five pillars of our company that I think any organization has to be able to ask themselves and not only answer, but answer with conviction uh, and authority. And so, you know, uh, first of all is what do we want to be? Well, we know we want to be an extraordinary restaurant company. It's very simple. And by definition, that's the opposite of ordinary. And again, I could talk about hundreds of things that we do in an organization that are the opposite of ordinary. Secondly, uh, we have to ask ourselves, who are we? And we define ourselves as great people delivering genuine hospitality. 
Uh, everybody knows great people in their lives. Uh, delivering means someone's receiving. Uh, genuine, which means from the heart and hospitality is defined as uh, treating people like you would treat people in your own home. So that's how we define ourselves uh, as great people delivering genuine hospitality. And uh, third pillar is what is our mission? And our mission is to thrive with both cultural and fiscal responsibility. You would think as CEO of a restaurant company, my number one goal would be to make a profit. And I would tell you it's not. My number one goal is to maintain our culture and values. And uh, job number 1A is to make a, a profit and make a damn good profit. And so we benchmark ourselves against all the publicly held restaurant companies. And we're always in the upper 10 percentile of uh, profit percentage as a, ratio, as a ratio to sales. But uh, our number, true number one goal is to maintain our culture and values. I want to be a restaurant company that's around for 25 years, 50 years, uh, 7,500 years, long after I'm in a big restaurant in the sky. So we've asked ourselves, what do we want to be? We've asked ourselves, who are we? We now know our mission. And then our fourth pillar is, what is your role? We have 5,000 associates in the company, all with different job descriptions, uh, different states, et cetera. Uh, but we all, 5,000 of us, have the same role, and that's to make raving fans of the five groups of people we do business with. First and foremost, our fellow associates, our guests, our purveyors, our partners in our community. We believe you need to belong to one of those five constituencies to have any interaction with Cameron Mitchell restaurants. And so if we, all 5,000 of us, focus on making raving fans of those five groups of people, we'll make raving fans of everybody that comes in contact with our company. And then finally, our fifth pillar is what is our goal? Now, as we all know, businesses have you know daily, weekly, hourly, monthly, yearly goals, and we're no different. But we have one goal. It stays the same 24-7, 365, and that's to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that goal does two things for us. One, it creates a culture of change in an organization. You simply cannot be better at something today than you were yesterday or better at something tomorrow than you are today without improving your craft and getting better at it. So we work very hard uh, to continually improve all of our processes uh, throughout the company and never Accept the status quo. And then finally, uh, it's our insurance policy that, uh, you know, anybody would agree with a simple statement that Cameron Mitchell Restaurants is somewhat of a successful restaurant company today. And if we're better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today, by virtue of that alone, tomorrow will be more of a successful restaurant company than we are today. So those five pillars that we teach and preach uh, constantly day in and day out uh, to our people throughout our organization uh, becomes the backbone along with our eight core values. And while we're at it, I think I just touched that on not all eight of those values, just the first and foremost one, and that is our associates come first. You think, uh, again, CEO of a restaurant company that my I would preach the guest comes first, and I don't do that in our organization. Our organization, the, the associate comes first. I look at it as a triangular relationship. We spend virtually all of our time taking care of our people. Our people then take all of their time to take care of our guests, and our guests uh, then take care of our company and our sales continue to thrive and grow. So it's really a triangular relationship, but our associates come first. I tell people, Cameron Mitchell Restaurants is built by its people, for its people, and uh, we have hundreds of success stories throughout the organization, hundreds of CMR marriages, and even more babies along the way. So people are building their lives with our company. Well, you do look at really growth in many different perspectives. <laughs> Well, really, growth of our people is the most important, and that translates always. And I hope that every business owner business. listening understands that the focus is first on the people. In that triangle of growth that Cameron just described, it's really important where you start, even though the sides are interlocked. 
Cameron, you do something else. You share financials with all of your associates. Why do you do that and what impact does it have? You know, we're not uh, bashful about that. You know, we, we wear everything on our sleeves and we have a, a culture of transparency in organizations. So when uh, things are going well, we want to celebrate them. We share them. When things are not going well, we, we can talk about them too. So we, it's not always about driving the P&L. It's not always about uh, the, the cost or cost control, et cetera. We're doing a great job. We, we, we tell people that and we share that with them. And then when we need them to lean in harder or we've got some issues here we've got to work with, and then we do that too. So it's, uh, I think, I believe you can't have one without the other. And people know, um, you know, uh, you know, even when they, they see our profitability and so forth, they know um, we give millions of dollars to charitable organizations throughout our city and our markets in which we do business with. And we're continually funneling those profits back into growth in the company, of which then people receive those benefits and those, those opportunities to grow and be promoted and grow their careers. So it's a positive, very, very positive thing. It's certainly nothing to- Cameron, to are you ready away. for the My Quest for the Best lightning round? If you think about the sure. things that you do to get your day off to a great start, what are one or two of the things that you do on a regular basis that leads to daily success? Uh, well, I, I guess I exercise every day, basically. I start off every morning with good exercise, whether it be yoga or cardio or lifting or whatever. But and then I uh, always usually start at my desk and you know, kind of organize my day and look at my schedule and plan my method of attack, if you will. You know, I, I think as much routine as I can have within uh, this crazy business of ours, and I guess I have, but ultimately uh, uh, what I love about this business more than anything is almost Do you every have a favorite way to get unstuck if you are thinking about something and not moving forward? I never have to get unstuck. I uh, I keep my desk spotless. Uh, I, I uh, keep myself very, very organized, you know, my to-do list, my notes, etc. cetera. I, I don't ever want to get bogged down in minutiae. I, I work very hard to make sure that I'm able to think freely, uh, move freely, and move swiftly uh, throughout uh, wherever I need to be within so Cameron, the organization. No doubt there are a lot of details flying through such a large operation as yours. What's one of the keys of success to your delegation that allows you to focus on the areas that you do best? We look at our senior leadership team, our executive team, and then our next uh, group uh, from that is our director level team, and those would be regional directors, et cetera. And every uh, month, each one of those folks uh, writes a you know a one or two page recap of what they're working on within the business, and those recaps are circulated amongst everybody else to read, and it keeps uh, me and all of us abreast of what's going on throughout uh, the organization. And and if there's things in there that I want to, again, dive into or ask, get deeper onto, I can do that. But we, can't, we keep ourselves abreast all the time, the team of what's Cameron, happening within the organization. Cameron, you talk and train your employees to follow the three A's. What are the three A's and why are they so important? Any human organization is not perfect. Uh, we make mistakes. Uh, sometimes we make mistakes with our guests. Sometimes we make mistakes with our people. But they do happen. I believe create all sorts of opportunities for great guest engagement and, and to endear people, guests, associates, and, and whoever else we do business with uh, to our company for years to come. And I call it the three A's. And so when you think about a mistake happening, uh, whether you're a guest in a restaurant or the way you were treated by your boss or something kind of ruffles your feathers and doesn't sit right. And and the company, uh, if, if, the, if the company acknowledges that, apologize, and then they act. 
And so you think about it, just simply in a restaurant, you get a steak that's overcooked and you make someone aware of it and, and those things happen and, and the restaurant doesn't do anything about it or they don't apologize about it or they don't do anything. You know, next thing you know, you get your bill and there's your steak and you, you leave disgruntled. But now if you bring that attention that uh, I guess is, the steak is overcooked to uh, a server and a server acknowledges that and brings you back a new steak and gets you a new steak, cooked perfectly, and apologizes profusely for making that mistake, and then acts on that, and you know might uh, comp that off your bill or give you a gift to come in the next time. Any of those things, but as long as the three A's are, are done uh, properly, then people usually 95% of the time will forgive you for your shortcomings and say, "Wow, I really handled that with class," and you know I really like this company. So again, those three really A's like are to people. acknowledge apologize and act is that right yep and two of the three aren't good enough you know one of three is not good enough you really got to do all all three of them to really make sure that you it also takes responsibility for the mistake yeah absolutely like i said and what we're really looking for here is forgiveness you know people will forgive you at that point in time and and give you another try or become guests for life over that incident where if you didn't do that you might well, not only those people forever would, might a, a restaurant who doesn't follow this approach lose a customer we all know that people who are disgruntled and unsatisfied with customer service are likely to tell a dozen people where people who are happy tell far fewer on average isn't that right Exactly right. You just exacerbate the problem. It just compounds itself you outside have the been very successful in attracting a very difficult segment of the population to bring them on board and get them to commit to long-range plans with millennials. And you cultivate them as the next generation of leaders. What are the approaches that you're following that have led to this success in capturing the imagination and the commitment of this generation? Well, I think millennials themselves, they want to, yes, you know, they have a notorious reputation for wanting things now and, you know, and and maybe wanting to take a few shortcuts along the way, et cetera. But I, I find, you know, I always say people are people and uh, people have the same wants, needs and desires. They want to feel valued. They want to feel important. Uh, they want to feel cared for. They want to feel tended, tended to. And I think millennials are no different, and, and we, we focus a lot of time and energy on them. We have a, one of the things I do is, is we have our young leadership group in our company, which is uh, comprised of usually a couple of dozen young managers every year. We have a different class each year, and we connect those young leaders with our senior leadership team, and we work on live projects together with the company, whether it be opening a new concept or some uh, study or analysis we're doing or whatever, but we get them involved and and we get to know these these young people on a personal level. And the results have been spectacular. Over 50% of these young folks have grown on to further their careers in the company and become uh, you know, general managers or executive chefs with us and, and put themselves in leadership positions. So it's been great companies with great cultures really do create an environment that helps people succeed. Can you share an example of someone who you might have known along the way, maybe not recently, but maybe along the way where you've seen them, you weren't sure that they were going to thrive in this culture, but over time they turned a corner and are now perhaps one of your, your senior leaders. Oh, we've got dozens of examples of that throughout the company. And, and what we have, uh, what we have a little saying in here, as long as someone's moving forward 
and growing that will work with them, even if they're not moving forward or growing at the pace we might like. But as long as they're doing that, we'll continue to work with them. And we, through lots and lots of coaching and one-on-one support and uh, feedback, we do a associate feedback survey twice a year. All of our managers get evaluated by all the associates uh, that report to them. And and that, that feedback is very important. And we, uh, we've had lots of success stories. And I related to myself even, you know, when I was young, I was uh, an hourly cook. I was suspended for three days for poor performance and put on 30 days probation. And I was late another time after that. And if I would have gotten fired, I would not have had the epiphany that changed my career literally three days after that. I was 19 or 18 years old and uh, and went local restaurant as a line cook going nowhere. And I decided right then and there that this was going to be the business I was going to be in the rest of my life. And, and wrote out my goals and woke my mom up at one in the morning and told her I wanted to do it myself. And, and the next day, I... I was the hardest working guy in the kitchen with the best attitude and never looked back. And so I always tell people, you never know what when that light bulb is going to go off in some way. You're going to be able to change them around the corner completely. And, and it just happens. And so meet someone who got fired from Cameron Metro Restaurants, you got to pat them on the back. You've made such a really difference in the lives of the thousands of people who work for Cameron Mitchell Restaurants and all of the people who are listening to my quest for the best. I want to thank you so much for sharing the origins of your story and the development of your culture and the chocolate milkshake story that everyone will remember because the ingredients are so easy to master if you just have the willingness to look to serve. For all of these reasons, Cameron, I just thank you so much for joining me on my quest for the best. Oh, my pleasure, Bill. It's been a pleasure to spend some time Before with you and your goodbye, audience. Where's a place where we can find out more about you and your work? Uh, well, CameronMitchell.com is our website. And Cameron Mitchell, author of Yes right? is the Answer, What is the Question? Thank you again so much for joining me on my quest for the best. All right. Take care, Bill. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill. Before you go, I just want to ask you a quick favor. If you've enjoyed this interview on my quest for the best, I'd love it if you'd go to iTunes, look up my quest for the best and subscribe. I want to make sure you don't miss the very next episode we have coming up. We've got a lineup of terrific guests, and I know that if you enjoyed this one, you'll like what you find coming up soon. Also, feel free to give it a comment, a like, because we work hard to put these interviews together, and I appreciate making sure that we're reaching you and serving you in the, the best way possible. I look forward to reading your comments and catch you on the next interview. Thanks so much.